0: Michael Trumpet In case he hasn't got a trumpet on his sound effects CD, here's my trumpet Da. da, 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 da. The Wiggly video has been launched. Excellent. And, Ricardo, you and I have already got a review. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? Shall should I ask? I was we have two I
0: reviews. Right. The first one said, nice vid. Excellent. And the second one says, saw your new cow video. So it's not about cows, it's about a can of worms. Uh, all right. Very good and very funny.
1: Excellent, that's good.
2: <laughs> What's, that's the, the object of the exercise. Oh, they are. That's mm. good. That's Laurel going to the right and Hardy man. go gardening. Shut
0: <laughs> up, Philip. Onwards we go. <laughs> On this week's podcast, we have the normal three, the Blakemere three, right. which is myself, Heather.
2: Farmer Phil. And Richard.
0: And we are joined today by two special guests and one dog. We have Noah, the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. And sitting on Ricardo's right is our dear podcast buddy, Mark Eccleston.
3: Hello there, how are you doing?
0: All right. Have you been on the Wiggly Sofa before?
3: Once or twice, yes.
0: There we are. And he's tickling jam. The dog.
3: Not Ricardo,
1: yeah. Let's keep with that thing. But it, so you're, you're comparing Mark to, uh, to Noah now, as, in terms of special
0: guests. Don't uh, be ridiculous. Noah's very special. <laughs> 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 On today's show, we have the Pesticides Directive Update. We have some advice from Ricardo about gardening. Mm. That'll be original. Farmer Phil reports on his bull <laughs> and his frogs, so he's reporting on bullfrogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <terrible.
1: laughs> very good. Very good. Farmer Phil reporting on
2: bull. No change there. Then. <laughs> I'm good at it because I practice. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly <definitely> do. <laughs> I don't like, like, like you, Rick. <laughs> I'm saying nothing.
0: So let's get into the nitty gritty. We need to know about these pesticides. What's happened in the European Union? What has Neil Parrish, the MEP, the farmer from Devon, achieved?
2: Well, what he actually achieved was that he got a majority of British MEPs to vote against the pesticides legislation, but despite that, Europe voted them down and with some amendments have passed it. Some of the amendments are quite significant and will alleviate some of our worries, but essentially... It will reduce the number of pesticides available to farmers and in some cases that'll be a good thing and in other cases it won't. So
0: you've lost Farmer Phil and Ricardo's won. Well done <laughs> Ricardo. I
2: don't think I'd put it as strong so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a compromise.
1: Well it's all moving in the right direction isn't it? That's the, that's the best news I reckon.
2: Well in conjunction with that, not as a result of it, we were talking last time about slug bait. Yeah. Which is not very nice stuff and there have been one or two issues this autumn with the particularly wet weather with people being concerned that too much slug bait is getting into surface water and that we've got to do something about that. To that end they're going to put maximum dose rates and the maximum total annual slug bait applications in order to mitigate that risk of getting the active ingredients of slug bait into groundwater and I think that's a good thing because there are people and places in the country where they've had to or they think they've had to just shovel slug bait onto the land. But really you've got to the point where, frankly, the slugs have won that field and that there must come a point where it's either uneconomic or environmentally damaging or probably both. Right. So I've got no complaints about that. I think that's probably good and if it means that we can use that product safely so is yeah, there going to be any policing,
1: do you think? I mean, is it, is yeah, it it it'll be policed
2: in on? the same way that all our other pesticide applications are policed. Right. We have to record every pesticide that we put on accurately, right. and if you get inspected, they will compare your application records with the invoices for the pesticides you bought, and if they don't agree, then you will be asked to explain why they don't agree. Have you ever been inspected? No. Right. How many years but, have you been doing it? Uh, they do reckon to inspect a percentage every year as part of cross-compliance. Do you know the, anybody that's been inspected? Yeah, I do. Oh, so oh, a number of people have been inspected. And I
0: know he's fearful of it because his spray record Good. book is very important to him yeah. because I did try and tear it up once in a fit of temper. <laughs> <laughs> a,
1: sort of, a sort of wifely, what can I target yes. the husband the most thing. Yes. Yeah,
0: oh. and it, was, <laughs> it, was, it went right to the quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I so met a farmer uh, on my travels this week who I sat by at dinner, and I was talking about, you know, farmers and the environment and custodians of the countryside, and he said to me that he loved slug bait and that the way that he used it was as a preventative measure, that he put it all over the fields at the time when the slugs would then take it and not breed from it. So he felt that slug bait was an asset to his business And that by using it in quantity or over a you know wide area, he had diminished his slug problem.
2: There are several comments to be made in amongst that. Anybody who can use slug bait—just I like spreading slug bait. Let's chuck it all over the place. Has got more money than sense because it's expensive. He
0: was on an estate,
2: and so (laughs) (laughs) he
0: was posh.
2: (laughs) That (laughs) would be posher than (laughs) farmer. That would be. Oh (laughs) no. That would be my first comment. Uh, The life cycle of a slug is relatively predictable. And so that if you've got a serious problem, applications of slug bait in conjunction with the weather and taking due account of the fact that the life cycle of a slug is approximately three weeks, you can significantly reduce how much slug bait you use. And then, as we've mentioned before, firming the seed beds correctly, getting a good seed bed will restrict the movements of the slugs, which will help that way but I am firmly of the opinion that anybody who says, oh, well, we just spread the whole farm X, Y and Z times because we like it, are on a hiding to nowhere, and they give the rest of us a bad name. Because So
0: what do you actually do then?
2: What I actually do is I try to only use it when I see that I've got a problem. I try and monitor the situation.
0: And situ- he said that that was exactly the wrong way of doing it.
2: Well, it depends how good you are at detecting your problem or even preempting your problem. The other thing I'll do is that if I think I'm going to have a problem in a particular so if you've got an area of the field where the seedbed is not of high enough quality, I might just do that patch on the basis that I know that will be a problem and I can preempt it.
0: What do you mean, it's high enough quality? How would you know if the soil is it? Well, if it's not it? firm
2: enough or it's too cobbly, you know, a piece of heavier ground where it's laid wet or where there have been some wheel marks, anything like that, if the soil structure is too open, the slugs can move around in it and they will eat the plants that way.
0: Ah, he also said to me... That he doesn't plough.
2: Again, it's... So if, he's
0: got it compacted, hasn't he?
2: That is true, that depending on how you do your cultivations will dep- and what your soil's like and what the weather's like will depend on how slug-friendly or not the resulting seedbed is. till is quite nice for slugs. They like it because you have this layer of the previous crop trash in the surface. Oh, which, which is just mm. slug heaven. And particularly oilseed rape growers this autumn have had an absolute nightmare because oilseed rape is just divine for the slug.
0: Rich, in the garden then, are we supposed to go and stamp our seedbed down more?
1: Definitely not. No, it's not a good idea. It seems that it's it's out of balance, but no, compaction in the the garden is is an altogether bad thing, really.
2: Compaction and and firmness are two different things. Compaction um, Compaction and firmness of a seedbed are completely different things.
1: I mean, there are there are exceptions of course. I mean, you know, if you want to grow sprouts for instance, then you really if you want to grow a good hard sprout, then you need compact soil. But the long term health of the soil suffers from compaction. And equally if you're compacting the soil and then you've got to dig it again, so you're disturbing it, then ultimately leads to problems. The soil is best left undisturbed, to be perfectly honest, as much as physically possible.
0: Let the worms do the work. Yeah, I
1: mean, lots of gardeners will say, "Oh, you know, you should you definitely, you know, lift your soil in the in the winter time when it's really cold." And the, like after we've, we've had these really hard frosts, the frost can get in the soil and break it up a bit. And also, you'll be killing slug eggs by exposing them to those kind of elements. But on balance, it's much better to, to leave them undisturbed. The, the
2: important thing, and this goes for gardening as well as farming, is that there are various ways of creating a soil profile, and by digging it or ploughing it you disturb that soil profile and you have to reinstate it. But essentially, it should have small particles at the top and larger particles underneath. And the way that that happens is that the frost will break down the surface and make a tilth, small particles, and the dry in the summer will crack out underneath to make the bigger particles. And that's how the profile works. And if you disturb it, you should aim to recreate that And that is why in a farm situation, if you disturb it, you then firm it, not compact it, firm it and work the surface. And that creates the big particles underneath and the small ones at the top. In a garden, you do exactly the same. So if you decide that you have to dig it, you then firm it back down with the rake or whatever and you end up with your tilth on the top. You don't try and produce six inches of tilth, it's only a little bit on the top.
0: So is Terry pleased, have you seen Terry, Walton?
1: I've spoken to him several times this week. I is he pleased seen him to have bit. had a seen frost? 24th. Yes, he loves his frosts. Frosts are important, you know, they do, uh, they do serve some significant purposes really. You know, They do kill off some creatures that you don't want hanging around throughout the winter. And of course, if you've got green manures, then they check those green manures so they're not getting too big. So that when you dig them in come February time there's not too much growth to die off before you can uh, make the most of their, their the fertility that they're you know they're, they're predisposing I mean that is one of the downsides of green manures of course is that you do have to dig them in but on balance you know certainly for Terry's because he's got his his allotments on a slope so it tends to leach a lot of nutrient as my garden is again is on, on, is on the side of a hillside so it does leach a lot of nutrients so if you can trap that nutrient or stop it uh, leaching away throughout the winter, so as it's available for, for plant growth in the spring, then that's probably better to uh, to you know, mix up some green manures with just with mulching. You know?
2: In years gone by, they used to um, cart clay onto light soils that used to leach <coughs> nutrients like that, and they would cart clay and spread it by hand to try and make the soil hold on to its nutrients better.
1: Right.
0: Now, lots of wiggly Facebook groupies mm. want to know where Terry's and your podcast has gone.
2: Ah, right. Now, okay.
0: where is it, Rich?
1: It's on the, the Gardener's Click website. So it's
0: The Gardener's Click. So, dub, Google. Dub,
1: dub, Gardener's Click.co.uk.
0: Google Gardener's Click. You'll I'm find it. I'm
1: pretty sure it's, it's on there at the moment, but good old uh, Simon Sherlock has been on the case. And uh, he's trying to, or well, he has, I'm pretty sure, found a means of being able to link the podcast back with, with iTunes from whence it came. Because, of course, we had a few problems and ultimately it might have meant me having to go through the laborious <laughs> sweaty and I can even feel myself feeling quite sicky uh, thinking about the, the process that would involve such techie stuff. So consequently Simon's taking initiative. Off he's gone and, and communicated his efforts with Terry, I think, and the people at the Gardener's Clip website. So it should, all things being equal, be back up on iTunes again uh, by the end of this month.
0: Fantastic. I would add that I couldn't bear to think of you doing that either. So if it doesn't work out, Michael's got a genius way.
1: We've had some fantastic yes no, so that's good. So I feel a a whole sense of well-being from uh, from what's happened over this last week.
0: I just couldn't see it working. (coughs) Richard Pike has got back in touch. You know, we wondered if it was really Ricardo Fishbourne, as his name was Pike, but he's back. And he says, ha-ha! My frivolous comment after a couple of sherbets, (laughs) about less Farmer Phil and more Rachel had the required effect. I got a podcast mention. Didn't mean for it to force a vote of confidence in poor Farmer Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Suppose I should redeem myself by getting my alter ego allotment man to write an iTunes review and perhaps placing an order. So I immediately went to the Wigby Orders and he's placed one. (laughs)
1: Right,
0: <laughs> wanting what? I, I think that's part of the Data Protection Act. But <laughs> oh, I <think>. It's <laughs> spent a tenner and yeah. it has been dispatched on Tuesday for bird-watching weekend. Oh, Any okay. clues? <laughs> i,
1: yeah, I think I've got an idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you think <laughs> that marketing by shame is an ethical <laughs> means? <laughs> shame of <laughs> a <and> divine, something. Seems <laughs> very reasonable.
0: Welcome, Richard, yeah. to the Wiggly <laughs> <laughs> Fold. You're now a proper one because you've purchased. Well done,
1: well done. Richard uh, Pike, great name.
0: MontyCast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. MontyCast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. My cousin Edith stars in the Wiggly Wigglers Florist video. Another MontyCast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Next week. Ricardo, we need a snippet of gardening advice for February.
1: Right, yeah, it's still not that much to do. I mean, it's definitely a time to mulch. If you haven't already covered your naked soil, then uh, get some manure on it, cover it over, protect it, and let all that lovely nutrients seep into the ground. And when I was rattling to Terry the other day, I said, oh, I've forgotten to get my garlic in. And he said, oh, it's not too late you want to? Uh, you could get it in now, you just put it in the ground, or, or you could start it off in, uh, I'm doing it like, Welsh-Pakistan?
3: Yeah, it I don't
2: think baconless. Ricardo's anyway. impressions are <laughs> long-term. I thought no, the don't more say I
0: did, that word that we're I did, not allowed more, to say. The more I did it, oh, I
1: so you're right, no, definitely not. No, because no, no,
0: no. something <laughs> terrible happens to you, <laughs> you <laughs> say that. What, is that
1: taffy? Yeah, that's right, yeah, something like that. Right. But anyway, he, anyway. Tidy. <laughs> you've broken my flow now I, I thought the more I did it the better I'm going to become at the whole thing just say but to him
3: what's the curing anyway, he, that he
1: that? said what's,
3: what's the curing
1: he said um, it's not, he said try you can get your garlic and of course and he said have you, you got a cold frame I said yeah I've got a cold frame because I made one and uh, last year
0: do you always um, repeat everything you <laughs>
1: said <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, so I, so I, I um, he said put your garlic cloves individually in pots and put them in the cold frame to give them a bit of a head start now, get them going and then put them out into the ground.
0: Oh, I've got a really thick question now. OK. So just the little triangle bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll actually do it with yeah, it. Yeah, if you stick it in the ground, make sure it's the right way up. Just make sure uh, the top of it's just slightly covered. Onions and garlic, you could almost, well certainly onions, you could, just, you could place them on the soil, on the very top of the soil and they'll take a root and expand from there but you tend to need to cover them a little bit because otherwise bird, the birds pluck them out of the ground.
0: Hang on, Rich. Technical details here. You know, I haven't got a clue. I'm putting one clove, which is about, I don't know, twenty five mil tall, into what size pot?
1: Uh, Into a pot that's probably about seventy five mil diameter.
0: Gosh, you do know your mils. Well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you should
1: uh, put the hand uh, yeah, Roughly, you know. I mean, give or take a couple of millimetres, but uh, yeah, that, that'll be absolutely fine. Now, so it's only just to start it off. Just moisten it before it goes in the cold frame. Uh, the chances are it's not going to be very hot now at this time of year, anyway. So the cold frame isn't going to get hot, but it's going to be warm enough just to stimulate some rooting by the clove. Give it a little bit of a a start, and then you can plant it out then.
0: And how long is it going to take before I get some proper garlic to harvest? You're going to
1: be harvesting garlic in around about August time.
0: Oh, so it's so August,
1: August, September time. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's really fast growing. And put it in really rich ground. It loves lots of nutrient, So really well-improved soil. That's a muck. I mean, what I usually do is when I've when I mulched the ground, I scrape, scratch the mulch, which is fairly well deteriorated, into the top of the soil, don't dig it in, and then just quite literally dib a little hole and pop the clove in.
0: And what pests get after your garlic, love? Well, not too many. I mean, you
1: know, as you can imagine, garlic isn't particularly appealing to, to many pests at all. But you do get some slug predation on the leaves. But to be perfectly honest, nothing really. pests pest garlic. You can get a little bit of rust on garlic, which isn't really a problem. It's something that's been particularly prevalent over the last couple of years because it's been so wet. But it doesn't affect the flavour, really. It may affect the growth, but not not to any great extent, but no garlic's Pretty robust. It's a good,
3: easy vegetable to grow.
0: Planted any garlic, Mark?
3: I have, yeah. I, I did mine before the winter. They've all started sprouting. I had a bit of a problem with slugs a couple of weeks ago before the frost. We Sorted them out. I chopped them in half. And um,
1: <laughs> you, you see, I went. I remember when we went. You know, because we're going to talk about this in a bit. I went over to yours uh, back in the summer, and your, your fantastic green space that you've made, and you were you've grown a load of. Was it sprouts or purple sprouting or something like that? Yeah. And they were littered with caterpillars, and you said oh. you weren't going to grow. And actually, exactly the same for me next year. I'm not going to grow sprouts. A, because I've been killing myself for years that I do like them, but they are fairly <laughs> disgusting, so I'm not going to grow sprouts. <laughs> and, 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 it, and also, what it bothers me is the fact that I need to control the caterpillars. And you said, I'm not going to grow bruskers next year, Rich, because you know I'm killing these caterpillars, and uh, you know this space is for wildlife, so, so it, know, it goes seem, against the grain a yeah, bit.
3: It just seemed a bit odd that... You spend all this time creating habitat, and then because they're the eating your leaves off your sprouts, you start squashing them. So how does
1: a highly principled man like yourself manage to you know, assess the s- fact that he needs to kill his slugs?
3: <laughs> quite easy, really. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a special pair of secateurs that I go around and chop them all in half, and they're all covered in slug ooze and guts and things. Slug <laughs> Yeah. And it, and it yeah. makes it easy, because when you leave them and chop them in half, the other slugs come and eat them, right. so we end up with a great big mound. Oh, I see. Of slug ooze. Oh,
1: excellent. So it's so, all—it's
3: a—it's a balance. So really,
1: by taking the lives of a certain uh, a fraction of the population, you're providing opportunities for, yeah, for their children. Yeah,
3: that's why I like to oh, think about it. Yeah, I,
1: that seems perfectly sensible. <laughs> to me. Excellent.
3: And uh, your uh, your your green space has been uh, going great, guns, has not it? Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, what we've done in the year—it's—it's uh, it's, it's been you know quite remarkable, really. They started off with the orchard and the cottage garden, then we got the rose garden. So describe the space for folks, because this is something that we've ported on. Um, over the course, certainly over the last
1: 12, 18 months. And there's a whole series of habitats in something that's been brought about by the efforts of a relatively small community of people.
3: Yeah. Well, the, the green space itself is roughly between two and three acres, and round the edge in is all trees that were planted when the, when the housing development was put in there. So the trees are about eight years old now. Right. Which is great because it provides really good cover between the green space and the road that uh, runs alongside it. And, yeah, and
0: hopefully
1: it'll uh, sort of baffle the noise a little
3: bit as it, well. We can, you can notice a difference in the summer when, the, when it's full of leaves. You can't see the cars, obviously, and, and you can't hear so much neither. Okay. And it's in... a little
0: haven, isn't it, from oh, a big road? You know.
3: Yeah, yeah. So within the space, what other habitats have you got? So we've got the orchard. In the orchard, you see like 15 fruit trees. Underneath them is like a whole load of wildflowers. In another area, we've got uh, a rockery which is full of alpines. Then we've got a cottage garden area. There's a little stream that runs into, it's on the edge of the, of the green space, so we've, we've dammed it and we're going to, that's yeah. another, another habitat that's, yeah, wow. uh, yeah. we've got like bulrushes and um, various other bits and bobs in there. Yeah. We've created a, a meadow this year, which is like the project for this year, and basically it's just an area of land that the grass wasn't cut last year, yeah. it was all strimmed, we raked it all off, It's a dry stone wall in front of that now the back of it's got all the sods that we've taken off of veggie patches which we'll come back to uh, yeah. we've created some veggie patches so that, that's that got all the sods on which are going to be sown with seeds so
1: excellent
3: is that so it's a mix i mean it's a great It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, i mean it sounds really complicated and high maintenance i mean is, is it high maintenance no i mean i pot around there all the time but i mean we have like work groups once a month spend a couple of hours just that's it doing bits and bobs and obviously this year it'd be even less because all the hard stuff's been done it'd just be a case of Maintaining it, planting some stuff, and yeah, uh, yeah. enjoying it. This Let time. it flourish. Yeah. yeah. Tell
0: them about your flashing nose. That's the <laughs> bit I like.
3: <laughs> on Christmas Eve, we had this event. It was called Carols on the Green. It was something that we organised.
0: Um, was I like
3: Well, it would have been nice if she was there, but uh, it was more La La. <laughs> you wouldn't be pay her. You wouldn't be for yeah. well, she's it. Well, she's got nothing to do oh, with me, not she? she yeah. That's <laughs> right. She's lost a job, so she might, she might come down. Carol yeah. Thatcher, well, she's probably quite... Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: she, she's on the one show, so I don't <laughs> imagine she costs
3: much at all. <laughs> it Sorry. was more, more of the la-la sort of carols. With you. All right. We thought we'd have some... There's not much happening on Christmas Eve, and the, the spirit of Christmas is gone a little bit, so we thought we'd try to encourage it back. So we had this event, carols. People made mince pies, mulled wine, sausage rolls... It's a whole community thing. The actual cost for us to do it was uh, around about £30, which was for the glow sticks that we uh, used. These are magic glow sticks, I must add. Of course. Santa attracting glow sticks that, uh, when you dangle it around your neck, it, it, it was acted like a GPS to Santa, so we knew where you were. Like So once we had the carols, had a break, people had some food, then we'd finished off with some more carols, then we went on the Santa hunt.
0: Had you been on the website first? Because uh, Monty and I followed him, and he was in... Where was he when we followed him? I think he was in Afghanistan.
3: At the time, we went on that uh, NORAD thing for yeah. NASA, and he was, uh, he was in Pakistan at the time, so we were a bit concerned w- whether he would get to us or not, because it's a bit of a dodgy area, isn't it? But so he managed to get through. W- once we finished all the carols, we got all the kids together, and explained them what we were going to do. We were going to have a we could team, so they all had torches, and we went off, the, we created these paths through the woods. And all these glow sticks were all dangling from the trees, so it was really, really atmospheric. And we had all these candles because it was a nice, still night, we could have all these tea lights everywhere. And I had a big lantern and a flashing red nose, <laughs> which was because I was leading the way. Of course. I thought it was just it was a th- thing to have a flashing red nose. Yes, so I've been I'll, with a flashing red arse. Well, that's something you can think about for next year, isn't it? <laughs> well, <that's Yeah>. right. <laughs> Um, so off we went and then uh, we went into the woods and we stopped and the kids were looking down in the sky for him and then you could hear these like sleigh bells in the distance right. which is really amazing really considering yeah, yeah. where he was yeah um, <laughs> was really impressive yeah. yeah I mean how, it's amazing how this like sound travels isn't it but, uh, it's, it its so that got the kids going because could, we could hear him like you know he's, yeah, yeah. he's, yeah. he's getting Aww. fainter because he, he must Rich have gone I think filling up I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just completely hooked yeah, really <laughs> such a great story um, and then we came into this meadowy bit and it was all like candles on the dry stone wall thing and it sort of, the kids go, oh wow, sort of thing. And then another, another bit more of a path and we built what was a reindeer hut. Right. But it's actually a den as well. It's amazing how yeah. many different yeah. things actually, this can be. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was all made out of all the scrap wood that we could find. So again, it didn't cost us out. So yeah. when we got to the reindeer hut, we had this um, like basket, like a, like a Moses basket full of uh, reindeer food. Um, You've got a packet which there, is, which is uh, what we got here, and it's uh, special food. But the, the bags—they're made out of Hessian bags, which were cut up sandbags, right? With a bit of red ribbon around the top, and there's uh, a special, special poem that uh, is comes you, with is this. What this
1: one you made earlier?
3: This is—I yeah. didn't. My missus did. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay, but, I said the uh, poem. Sprinkle on the lawn at night; the moon will make it sparkle bright. As Santa's reindeers fly in Rome, this will guide them to your home. Wow. See, so not only have they got the glow sticks. Excellent. They've got uh, reindeer food. A sense of direction. So as well this and then sprinkling. let's it's, look uh, inside. The reindeer food is um, oh, look at that amazing stuff. Yeah. It, it does have a, the look of bird food, but it's... Uh, it has the
1: look f- <laughs> of wiggly seed extra. <laughs> it,
3: it, it does, <laughs> but that, that is just purely coincidental, that is.
0: Yeah. Would but,
3: you, <laughs> you add and, <laughs> and it's got um, And it's got um, glitter in it, which is the obviously... Relates to the poem, yeah, yeah. But we did say to the children, if the reindeers didn't eat it, because obviously eating all the carrots and everything, yeah, the birds might have it, you see, as well. Right. So, and all I'd be left as a bit glitter, and that's all you know. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. so the glitter is the magic bit,
3: yeah, really. It is. It's, it's amazing the properties it does have.
0: Yeah, yeah and I mean, then and Santa can see that sparkling yeah, in the
3: moonlight, even if it's cloudy. So it's, they go home fun.
0: and they sort of sprinkle it on their lawn or their drive. That's it. Isn't so it great.
3: attracts them there. Richard's had it, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> and it worked, and really, worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: next are... year, wiggly wigglers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this just fits in with everything, doesn't it? You <coughs> um, the, the hessian, which you say comes off the, the peanuts. Peanut. The reindeer food, which looks remarkably like wiggly seed extra. It does. is is obviously plenty of it.
0: Fantastic. I <laughs> think next year, instead of divine mm-hmm. chocolate... That all our customers should have some magic reindeer food. A,
1: a free pouch of yeah. magic reindeer food. Don't you think that, that would seems be lovely? Sensible to
0: Spread me. a bit of magic with Wiggly <laughs> Wogglers. And due to all that gooiness, we haven't really got time to hear about Phil's bullfrogs. Oh, we're not. But we will. <laughs> Quick, Phil, what happened to the bullpen?
2: Ah, uh, well, Nabob, who is our senior bull, was found in the morning with the wall of his pen dividing him from the cows next door, he'd pushed it flat on the floor, a breeze-block wall, and he was standing looking at it as if to say, look what I've (laughs) done. I haven't walked out of my pen, honest, but (laughs) But I I pushed the wall (laughs) over and I could walk out. So now we've got to get Pip to come, Pip and Ada you've got to come and rebuild Nabob's wall. And in terms of my frogs... No. no.
0: Now, I once went to Centre Park. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but it's better. <laughs> now I once went to Centre Park, and I went up a huge, huge set of steps. And as I reached the top, there was more and more trepidation. And then I launched myself down this whizzy tube of water, woo, 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 and I came out of the other end like a bullet. Went straight underwater, and it was the ride of my life. <laughs>
1: that doesn't say much for you, does it? <laughs>
0: Thank you, Richard. And so I want to know, why have the frogs here been doing the same thing? Not at centre parks, but from the pond to the water trough?
2: Well, basically, we have a private water supply which is fed from a reservoir up in the wood, and in said reservoir, we have a thriving colony of frogs. But in the last few weeks presumably because they're rather bored in their pond and they're looking for a thrill, they've decided... I think they're
0: suicidal. But they Credit crunch.
2: ...come down the pipe to all our um, water troughs. But the trouble is, what they forgot is because they're quite robust frogs, you know, well-covered ones, that they don't fit through various parts of the water system. So that has been potentially disastrous for the frogs and pain in the proverbials for us because we have to then try and get them out of the water system, which we do by blowing them out with a compressor from the other end. <laughs> <laughs> <But> Wildlife
0: gardening <laughs> with wiggly wiggles. <laughs> there
2: is a positive note to all this, because I decided, therefore, to clean the system out of frogs. Because it's a big pipe coming down off the hill, I thought, what I'll do is I'll flush all the frogs and whatever else out of that, and they can go down the ditch into the pond down here, you see? not thinking particularly that they would survive much of this, so anyway I flushed it all out and all this rubbish and everything out across the yard and the following morning I found a live frog which had survived this ride but not only had he survived that ride he'd survived being run over by Kevin on the JCB and he'd actually gone between the treads of the tyres and I thought having survived all that I would pick him up and put him in the ditch because I thought he was suffering a little bit of Post-traumatic stress <laughs> isn't it, I think. He You weren't waving your compressor around at the time, were no, you? No, no. no. Uh, the, he was he was intact and and. But how does
0: it. this frog mean that the cows don't get any water?
2: Well, because he won't fit through the junctions in the small water pipes and the ball valve in the water trough. So you, I want to know from Ricardo. Your, except, uh,
0: yeah, this is what we want to know. First of all, what are the frogs doing in the pot? Are they down in the silt at the moment?
1: So yeah, that's exactly it. They, they've emerged from the silt and they're, they're looking to embark on their springtime nuptials at any, any moment now really. You know, And certainly at the beginning of February, frogs will be spawning. It's slightly unfortunate that they've, they've had to make a break for it through Phil's drinking water system, but I'm presuming that Phil will have taken the initiative and as the responsible farmer that he's always telling us he is, we'll put a, put a filter on the top of the, of the inlet to stop such a awful occurrence next year
2: i think that's probably true i actually think the problem is that the silt level has risen up to the level of the pipe right and that's what the problem is and so that this because you
0: never had it before no it, it's There's just, just a, been a frog moment that's yeah, what yeah. we need to do although so, actually that's not strictly true i have heard you mention of said
1: blockage from fat froggy Pre- on previous occasions, but not, not pretty, in abundance. It is pretty
2: uncommon. It wouldn't happen very often. Right. But I think what the problem is, is that the level of silt in the pond has, has risen up to the outlet pipe. Because right. the outlet pipe's about a foot off the bottom of the pond, because it's a lined pond. The prisoners of the war made it, and it's lined with clay, and it's hard. So that when the silt gets up to the pipe, then... The froggy's just waking up. I don't know why, but they look at this pipe and think, well, we're just going to have to go down there.
0: It's because of me and the Centre Park's experience.
3: You must have been talking about it sometime when you're up there and they thought, well,
2: give that a go. Oh, give that a go. I expect that's what it is. But we obviously grow some particularly portly frogs.
0: We'll leave that there. (laughs) Mark, thank you for coming to the Wiggly Sofa and joining the cat. Uh, You did speak more.
2: It's, yeah. good
1: it's good. It's It's good to see that. I've him. still
3: got to tickle, tickle Richard yet. I and it's, it's nice to
1: have him. We can uh, we can avoid that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to, uh, to go to those lengths. <laughs> if Moss Savage was here, then that would be a different story altogether.
2: Okay. <laughs> What, if Ros Savage were here, you'd let Mark tickle, tickle. <laughs> yeah. That's something to look forward to, isn't Roz, it? Ros, come
0: <laughs> home. Come and see us. Richard wants Mark to tickle him or something. And so it's goodbye from us on the weekly sofa for one more week, and we will speak with you next week, just before Valentine's Day. So if you need to give that sweetheart anything special, Give look us a call. <laughs> <socks. laughs> <laughs> Check out Wiggly Wigglers. Bye for now.
2: And it's bye for me. Bye. Bye for me.